Uh, Richard, shall we pray for you before you begin That'd this be morning? Thank you. Um, Father, we thank you so much for Richard, for his family. We thank you for the all that they are to us as a church family. And we thank you for the time and the energy and the sacrifice that has gone into preparing for us this morning. We ask that you would give Richard the right words to share with us and that you would help him as he brings your word to us today. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and good good morning, everybody. Um, this morning, I'm talking to you at a time when there are significant events going on, as we know, in Ukraine, which is a country very dear to my heart. I've probably been there around 20 times, and I've got lots of good friends and work colleagues who live there, and we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but my talk this morning is about when the people of God, the Israelites, were facing something that they felt was a crisis. Uh, in which they felt afraid and insecure. And it's the story of when the Israelites cre uh, created a golden calf and worshipped that instead of God. Uh, so I'm not going to uh, read the story to you. My challenge on these online talks is to try and get loads of stuff that I want to say into a short time. So do go read Exodus 32 if you haven't already, where you'll find that the Israelites uh, were panicking because their leader Moses had gone up the mountain to talk to God and hadn't been seen and suddenly they panicked that they were on their own and um, created something else to worship. That's as much as I say about the content other than as I go through. Uh, so my talk is really it's a talk of lists but also it's a, a talk of two halves as all the best sports commentators would say. Um, and so I'm going to go into this now and just talk a bit about the Israelites' experience, uh, how God responded, and how Moses as a leader responded. And then let's think about how we respond when we're facing something that makes us insecure. Um, so list number one. Let's look at the way that the Israelites experienced this incident that took place. Uh, and I've just listed out lots of different elements as to what went on at the time when Moses had disappeared up the mountain and they were beginning to feel insecure. So number one on my list of five is the Israelites felt insecure um, and in the dark and they didn't know what had happened to Moses. That's number one. Number two, they completely ignored or forgot uh, God's instructions which had been clearly communicated on two occasions previously in their recent history, which was not to worship any other god than the true God himself. Number three, they told themselves a great big lie. Um, they created gods out of melting down their gold, and then they told themselves, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt, and completely denied their own recent experience of, of the true God bringing them out of Egypt and everything he'd done for them. This item number four is God saw all that was going on and he was very angry. I'll come back to that later on. And number five is that when after they'd been kind of caught in this act they minimized what they had done, particularly Aaron who was Moses' brother and had been left in charge when Moses was away, um, you read it in Exodus 32, verse 24, that he says that he, the, the people were panicking and they wanted him to do something, so he'd melted the gold, and then out came this calf from the fire. 
Now that happens to me all the time. We've got a wood burner at home and I often open the door to put a log on and out pops a golden calf. No, earlier on in verse 4, it says that Aaron told them to give him the gold, he melted it down and he crafted the golden calf. But when confronted with it, he kind of says, oh, it just kind of popped out. So, so he minimised what had gone wrong. So they got themselves into quite a uh, sorry state. List number two. I've said that they ignored uh, or forgot what God had done. So let's have a little look at that because it's really quite striking as the context in which they felt insecure and abandoned by God. First of all, in chapters 5 to 11 of Exodus, uh, they saw God inflict multiple plagues on the people of Egypt and on Pharaoh because Pharaoh had rejected and rebelled against what God was saying. That was quite dramatic. In chapter 13, they saw God deliver them miraculously from an army who were pursuing them to kill them by opening up the sea in front of them so they could walk through on dry land and then the water came back down over their enemies and they were rescued. They might have noticed something slightly unusual going on in that incident. Chapter 16, God provides daily bread and meat out of nowhere to feed them in the desert. And he was still doing that at the time of the incident we're talking about of the golden calf. Chapter 17, God produced water from a stone in order to feed, sorry, what's the word for? Drink. Drink, in order they could drink. Now this is water out of a stone. There were a about three million people in the Israelites at that time. So he gave water for about three million people. And I, came, I was in Albania um, last November. That's a country with about three million inhabitants. So he fed the population of Albania, gave to drink. <laughs> people in Albania, or a country that size, out of a stone. And then finally, God defeated an attacking enemy simply by the prophetic act of Moses keeping his arms in the air. And then just to remind you, God had said twice, don't worship any gods. So you would think, wouldn't you, that they've got an inkling that when they're in need, God would appear. And yet every time, if you read all of those stories, every time it starts with them grumbling and moaning and saying, oh no, where is God? We're going to die. Why didn't we stay in Egypt when at least we had food? And every time God responded and every time they forgot the next time something happened. And here we are again in the, in the, uh, in the case of the golden calf. So, it's half time. So a little pause. Now I don't know about you, but if anybody my age will know that if you played sport at school, at half time, the captain brought some orange segments. So, thank you very much, Graham. I'm going to have my orange segment in a minute during half time. And whilst we're doing that, I'd just like you to think, when you're challenged or facing doubt or insecurity, um, where do you go? I've been really impressed by my Ukrainian friends, and I've got quite a lot at the moment, and regular messaging with them of how faithful and confident they're being in God's provision. But what about you? Where do you go? Mm. Mm. This is what we used to do. <laughs> That's what we used to do when I was a teenager playing rugby. Thank you, Graham. Feel free to help yourselves. Just give you a sticky... I hadn't, I hadn't thought of this problem. <laughs> That's your problem. Excuse me. Okay. Second half. 
List number three, slightly short. Oh, thank you very much. Ah, see, not only does God provide. So, uh, um, so list number three is we're not going to talk about the Israelites or our reaction first. Let's talk about God. Always a good place to go. So verse seven and eight, God sees and knows exactly what is going on. Number two, verses nine and 10. The people's rebellion against him grieves him and angers him. Number three, verses 11 to 13, he listens to Moses as he pleads for the people of Israel that God will be merciful to them and not destroy them. And number four, he is ready to respond to Moses' pleas uh, to move from retribution and justice in that sense to grace and mercy. That's the character of God. List number four. Let's talk about Moses. So Moses was a faithful servant. He was also a leader. So leaders, and those of you who have any kind of leadership role in the church, whether it's the leadership team or any other aspect of leadership or outside in the world, make sure you listen to this bit, if nothing else. Moses bravely pleads before God for mercy and reasons with God and argues with him for the people that he's leading. He stands for his people before God without justifying the thing that they had done, but calling on God for his mercy. Verses 19 and 20, item number three. He also, when he saw what was happening, responded in dismay and anger and became very upset by it all. And I've lost my place. Oh yes, he sacrificed himself or was willing to for the people. He was prepared to put himself in the way of whatever the, the, the people deserved in order to have God's mercy for them. He said in verse 33, God blot me from your book in order to have mercy on them. It's worth noting that God didn't do that. He said, no, everybody is responsible to me for their own actions. But Moses as a leader was prepared to put his life on his line, on the line for his people. And finally, verse 30, he honestly faces the reality of what had happened, unlike his Aaron earlier on, as I mentioned. He refers in verse 30 to this as a great sin. So Moses sacrificially puts himself on behalf of the people that he's leading before God and pleads mercy for them without minimising or denying what has been going on. Well, that's full time. But we haven't really got a result, have we? <laughs> so um, I think we have to move to extra time. So I'll have another orange segment whilst we give you a chance to think about something for a second. I'll take that nice big one. I better not put it in my mouth. We used to do the thing where you open your mouth and it made it look like you had orange teeth as well when I was in the rugby team. Becky's completely lost on that one. So um, what are our other gods is my question. So they turned to uh, creating a physical golden calf. But I just want to read something about that I've written so I get it right. Um, because what the principle here is that the, the god, the other god, in their case was a golden calf, uh, but there are lots of examples of the Israelites and others turning to other gods. And the other god is that that we turn to when we're too insecure in our trust of God and we allow that to lead us into relying on another way to face our difficulties than turning to God. 
So I don't know what yours are. I think mine historically have been to rely on my own intellect, to rely on my kind of own experience, uh, my own skills, as it were, to, uh, to succeed. Um, but for others, it, and for you maybe, it might be about career, it might be the amount, about the amount of money in the bank, um, it might be about prestige or material things, uh, maybe a big house or a car, or it may just be some passion that you have, sport, or it may be your family. Where do you, you, know, where do you look for when you're feeling that you're facing a crisis uh, and, and you're feeling insecure? So have a little think about that. Mm. That was less messy, but thank you. <laughs> okay, extra time. We're looking for a winning goal, yeah? And here it is, hiding in plain sight. And I've asked Becky to read a passage from Romans 12. Okay, this is the beginning of Romans 12. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Thanks, Becky. So before we go back into extra time, I'm going to be the manager for a moment and give you the pep talk. Don't sacrifice your life to fear and insecurity. Don't sacrifice your life to fudging reality and to minimising your sin or your weakness or the reality of your circumstances. Don't sacrifice your life to pursuing self-reliance and material things. Do sacrifice your whole life, your body as it were, as a living sacrifice to God, which means when we face doubt and security, and believe me, the, you know, I, close friends or colleagues with half a dozen people in Ukraine and lots of other people, it's amazing to watch their strength, their faithfulness in wanting to be faithful to God despite their very lives being at risk. But what about us? We face much smaller things, although some people constantly fear the, the spread of war. But when in doubt and security, remember God's previous blessing to you. Remember answers to prayer. Remember what he did for his people in the Bible and just remember that he is still God and we're not on our own and he does turn up. Remember and declare truth, two sorts of truths. One is the reality about where you're at, about who you are, about what you're feeling, about what circumstances you're in. Don't minimise that. Be honest with God about it, but also be real and fully honest about the fact that God's greatness and mercy and power is much greater than anything that we face which God had proved time and time and time again to the Israelites. Take the risk, and this is verse 2 from the passage that Becky read, take the risk of allowing your mind to be changed so that you view him as reliable, more reliable and more able to satisfy your needs and all that uh, you need for, uh, for now and for the future. More than material goods, more than human answers or human resources because God does see and he's looking to bless he's looking to be to, to, to be merciful so take it to him not to your other sources of anxiety whatever the temptation 
because this is the antithesis, the opposite of the golden calf response, is not to turn away and give up on God and turn to other things, but to turn to him. And the outcome is the antithesis of the outcome for uh, the Israelites, many of whom were punished as a result of their actions. It's to see God's blessing. Now, I've got a couple of questions for us to discuss, but I'm kind of hesitating because I know that we want to go and talk a bit about the Ukraine. So maybe we should do that and, because it could be that that's what people might want to discuss as opposed to my questions. OK, um, so I'll stop there. OK, well, uh, thank you, Richard. Thank you very much. And um, we've been talking this morning just here around the studio, a, a few of us, and, and there have been some conversation going on via the various WhatsApp group that the leaders have and other groups in the church. And uh, a number of us already getting uh, requests from contacts we have in Ukraine um, for financial help in particular. Richard's had a number, I've had a few. We also have, uh, we have a long-standing relationship with, um, with a family that lead uh, church in which which part of Ukraine are they in now? It's in the um, kind of southeast quarter. It's part of the Dnipro region. Okay, so uh, there there are going to be a number of needs, and uh, we don't know what those are at the moment. But we thought the way to respond is that we will set up within the church a Ukraine fund, and the practicalities of that we'll work through in the next day or so, and we will let you let you know those. Um, but you'll be able to give uh, through your bank account or via text or check or cash or, or whichever is the most convenient to you. And we'll make that very clear and very plain to you. And then um, we will set up some kind of process with the, the leadership as to how to uh, direct this, this money. But because we have quite a number of personal contacts, then we'll be able to help those needs in particular so this morning for instance i had a message from a friend in ukraine and they are housing uh, refugees who are coming from other parts of the country and then i've got friends in poland they they have a uh, a christian camp there they are going to be housing three to four hundred refugees in their camp within the next um, few days i suspect so there are needs where we can't go there and lots of things we can't do, but we can give our resources as well as to pray. And so that's um, the response that we are uh, coming up with. And as I say, practicalities of that you'll get in the next day or so. Okay. Um, so Richard, as someone who has been to, the, to Ukraine many, many times, um, would you help lead us in prayer for the churches, for the situation, and um, for families and individuals who are there right now um, on a Sunday morning? I guess many churches would normally be meeting at the moment, um, yes. and I don't know whether some of them are, whether some of them are able to, but um, if you would help us pray for them, we would really appreciate that. Let me set the scene a little as well first. Where do you want me to look? <laughs> Thank you, Ian. <laughs> so, um, Graham's talked a bit about people on the move and people helping those people. Um, and yep, I've got those kind of contacts as well. Um, but also I'm aware of people who are in the country. So, um, Graham's mentioned Victor. Victor has travelled to take Olga, his wife, and uh, their daughter to a place of safety, and is travelling back to where they live in order to serve the church and his people, uh, even though the, 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 the war front, when he last spoke to me, is about 100 miles from his home. 
Um, but there are people who are kind of going into the basements at night for safety um, and there is a shortage of food which is only going to get worse actually in the country. So there are, there's that that we'll pray for as well as obviously as we think about how we can get money to, to people to help with that. Um, and I've seen in uh, lots of examples of where people are singing and worshipping in those basements or with their neighbours. So in one sense the church's meeting is they're doing it where they can and they're doing it amongst the people. Did you hear the voice going then? <laughs> so, um, so let's pray for kind of the big situation, but let's remember, you know, there are the, the most vulnerable, you know, there the have been orphanages which have been bombed and the children are now abandoned. So, you know, it's from the, those children, from the elderly, from the disabled, from, from those who are hiding in basements, to those that are escaping and need helping uh, in their places where they're refugees, as well as the big picture about the war. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are the all-powerful God. We know that you have the power to stop armies. We know that you meet people in the intimate details of our lives. And we just hold before you the whole war situation and our friends and colleagues and uh, those that we don't know in Ukraine and also families of people in Russia and those that have got relatives there. Lord, we pray for you to break into that situation. We beseech you, we plead for you to step in and to protect lives and to bring about peace. We pray that you will resist the, our spiritual enemy wanting to bring conflict and death and, and uncertainty to the people in Ukraine. And we pray, Lord, that you will meet those individuals, those who need food, those who need encouragement, uh, that also that many will meet you, as we know is happening. We pray, Lord, for safe delivery for those that are on the move. We pray for the resources and the, uh, the skills and so on that are needed to welcome refugees in Poland and Romania and Germany and uh, within the other parts of Ukraine. Lord, we just plead with you to come and to bring your mercy to that country. And we thank you for the example of the Israelites. We thank you for the examples from our own lives and, the, and what we've heard where other conflicts have taken place and even going back into the days of the Soviet Union that you prevail, your church prevails, and we pray that as we fight with the weapons of love and mercy and, and justice, that you will deliver the people of Ukraine. Lord God, we praise you for who we are, who you are, and we put ourselves and the Ukrainian people in your hands. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, it's times like this we, we talk about being a church family and I think often we think just about our little section of City Church Worcester but it's when we remember that we are standing with the people of Ukraine at a time like this and we stand in prayer and like we said if you want to be able to do something more and you want to be able to give financially details of how to do that and how that's all going to work will be coming out in the next day or so. Yep. And, uh, We'll, we'll try and help you know as much as we can do.